We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we've got uh, friends from the House of Comedy who's going to tell us. Uh, we had questions about uh, Fifty Shades of Black, and we're going to ask them. As soon as we come back, you're listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition of ComedySchoolsRadio.com. Am I on? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I don't know if I was ready to be on. I mean, it would have been your job as the producer of the show to read my mind and go, uh, just because I'm talking to the comic doesn't mean I'm ready to talk to the comic. But you didn't, uh, you just, just uh, the producer just goes, you know what? You're on. That's it. <laughs> okay. Figure it out. Figure it out. You know, we start the show every morning. That's, that's how I open the show. I go, am I on? <laughs> Are we actually on? You're listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. And we are uh, pleased as punch. We are thrilled beyond words to have uh, in studio uh, Jenny Zagrino. Hello. Am I saying that right? You are Zagrino. You got it. Z- say that. You say it again. Zagrino. Zagrino. Yep. Yeah, Zagrino. Because I said Zagrino. It was close enough. Zagrino. Whatever. Because I'm actually from the Midwest, and I would have called it Jenny Zagrino. Yeah. I would have flattened my E. And That's perfect, too. What, however you want to say it. Live your life. Find I, your truth, man. I just want to be right. <laughs> I just want to do it right. Listen, if you think you're right, you'll always be right. Right? And that's um, It's been my problem for many yeah. years. I thought I was right. I thought it was the right thing to do. Well, now you're going to jail. Okay. But I thought it was, no, sorry, we're going to handcuff you now. So uh, welcome to Phoenix. Is this your first time in uh, Phoenix? No. I um, actually last year opened a small business with my friend here in Phoenix. So you opened a small. You have a business kinda, in Phoenix. We had like a booth in an antique store. Oh, and you I, an antique freak? Yeah, I love antiques. Oh. I love them. My house is all antiques. Our house is antique too, but it's just because we bought this stuff when we were young, and now we're not. Seventy. <laughs> <laughs> See your stuff. I'd pay top dollar for. You're just like eh, uh, you, would, you. You would you would salivate like Pavlov's dog if you came to our house. <laughs> Because yeah. we, we are, we're, we're antique. I mean, like I got, I, I collect antique radios. Yeah. So there's one there. I've got like 50 of them. Wow. You know, and I've got like old wooden, the giant wooden ones. And I, these have, I have top. a cathedral. I got one of the old cathedral? cathedral ones. Yeah. Yeah. How much did you pay for it? A hundred bucks. Wow. Oh, it's worthless, but yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even work. But I was like, it looks really nice. I a good to- statement piece. I, st- I, I have a cathedral that worked for a while. Yeah. But there were, I bought it. Uh, uh, no, it was given to me as yeah. a gift. And there was an old man in Los Angeles. Do you live in Los Angeles now? Yes. In uh, near the, uh, uh, the Nordoff Mall uh, out in the San Fernando Valley. Okay. There was an old man that I was told by, another, by an antique dealer that this old man fixed radios. Yeah. He could fix any radio. So I, I wanted my radio to play. So I brought it to his house, and he had a beautiful ranch-style home. He was about 80 years old. But the weird thing about his house, it was like some sort of one of those horror movie things where I was saying, you look around, there's shrunken heads everywhere. Oh. Everything was a radio. The table that we sat at was a radio. His toilet had a radio in it. Was his wife a radio? <laughs> yeah, she was a, yeah, she was a crystal set. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of antiques do you collect? What's your thing? Um, I, so I... <clears throat> I do like a lot of like more thr- like if I like thrift stores because if I find a deal I'm like yeah. this is the best. So um, I collect a lot of like like my bed is a Tiffany bed from like I haven't don't figure it out but it's like from either like the early 
like late 1800s too when they stopped making furniture like in the, <laughs> I think like it was like the 30s or 40s I got on Craigslist yeah it's this beautiful like it's a oval shaped bed and yeah. has a beautiful headboard I have like um old like paintings of knights and I like medieval stuff I like 18th century is probably my favorite favorite I used to do colonial reenactments in Boston so. you still used to work at uh, renaissance fairs I did work at Renaissance Fairs, <laughs> yep, uh, when I was a teenager. You and had then, a crush on a guy named uh, Knight Gary. Yep, good old <laughs> Sir Knight Gary. Sir Knight Gary. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I like any of that stuff. The best thing I ever found, though, I think, is I was at a Savers, and I found yeah. this, this print of Mary, Queen of Scots. And it was just like a cool old print. It was like a Hogarth-looking print, and I was like, cool. Bought Garth? It. What? You said Garth. Hogarth. Hogarth. Was okay, Hogarth? Hogarth. I think yeah. it was Hogarth who okay. used to do all the paintings, yeah. the royal paintings. So then I take it home, I look at it, and I'm like, this looks really very good. And I did some research. It turns out it was like an original 1798 print. No. Yeah, from this guy who did all these reprints of royal families. And the original was destroyed because everyone hated Mary, Queen of Scots. So he reconstructed her face did these prints on salmon paper, and it's worth like $2,600. Good for you. How much did yeah. you pay for it? Ten. Ten? Yeah. Yeah. We deal. love those stories. I love deals. No, I'm, try- I'm trying to... Mary, Queen of Scots was the Catholic... She was the Catholic one that killed all the Protestants, and then Mary- and then Elizabeth, Elizabeth came to power and killed all the Catholics. Mary was her sister, Yeah. and they were both daughters of King Henry VIII. Yes. Yeah, and because there, were- there was Mary, Queen of Scots, but there was another, there was the one... I guess she was... Yeah, okay. Yeah, Sometimes. I think that's where Bloody Mary comes from. Yeah, too is Mary Queen of Scots. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. she uh, she came in and kind of uh, tried to undo her dad's deal. Yeah. Yeah, and and bring in her her mother was was a Spanish queen. Was a Spanish queen. Yeah. So yeah. you live in Hollywood, so you know a lot of Spanish queens. I had so many Spanish <laughs> queens. <laughs> 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 They're all over the place. Do you live in Hollywood? I live in Echo Park. You know, when I lived in Los Angeles, Echo Park was a horrible place. Yeah. Now it's very, very yeah. nice. It's now, very gentrified. I liked Echo Park because I like to do horrible things when I lived there. Yeah, a lot I, of... I lived a horrible life. was an Eagles song where they like, go get drugs in Echo Park. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you did. You did. You bought, you bought drugs in Echo Park. And then every once in a while, you went fishing for a body in a lake. Bet you we could find a body. Yeah. Well, the lake's really nice now. Echo Park started out as a very cool, hip place in the 20s mm-hmm. when they built it. Then it fell into disrepair and disrepute. Yeah. And now it's back again. Oh, it's super gentrified now. Yeah. It is. I feel bad because I li- like I like it and I love living there and I lo- and I love my neighbors and it's still like very family like, you know, Spanish families, Mexicans and, uh-huh. uh, but, <laughs> I know I'm a white girl who's a hipster i know what people think of me when i come in there they're just like oh great here comes gentrification yeah and i'm like i just want an yeah. affordable place yeah. to live are you, are you so what, what nationality are you um i am a italian and russian jewish oh okay yeah. okay so that there was some weird mixing up a few generations back then right yeah well yeah. mom is off the boat so mom still has the accent and we actually went to Russia a few years ago to check it out. Really? And then Dad's like third generation Italian. Italian? Just, you know. Mob? Yeah. yeah. Pretty, all, all mob <laughs> all the time. All mob all the yeah. time. Just so uh, many connections. Everyone so should be just murder people constantly. Italian, Russian, Jewish, Minnesota. Yeah. And then that must, was there was that an odd mix there? Because a lot of people in Minnesota look like Mandy, the, uh, the girl who right. drove you here. <laughs> there, you know. I so I the area I lived in was 
more Jewish. So there were more, you know, yeah. short, dark-haired kids. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there are, it's like in Minnesota, they're all beautiful, tall, blonde Scandinavians. There's a lot of them yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's it's changing. There's more minorities are moving in, which is great, it's giving more diversity to the culture there. I got I to go back because I, I want to talk to you about how you started and what you do and everything, but why did you live in Echo Park? Yeah. And you and another person started a, uh, a you, what you did is you, you bought like a little kiosk. Yeah. A booth in an antique mall Here. in Phoenix. I know. Why? Because I can't say no to people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got a great land deal friends. for you. It was one like of my best talk. friends from Minnesota. She moved here. Okay. And was like, you know, wanted to start a business. And uh-huh. knew, knows that I love antiques. And she's like, I'll take care of it. And do you just have to, you know, just pay half the rent and bro- drop your stuff off? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's, you know, because when I lived in Boston, I would go to New York like twice a month. So driving to me is no big deal. Yeah. And then she moved two, ma- two months afterwards and just kept the space. And was like, don't worry, we'll figure it out. And I just never had a chance to come. Do you get still it. have the space? No, no. No. Her mom cleared it you out. You got foreclosed on? Yeah, pretty much. Did, you, did you have a, like a little theme to your space? Because you go, you go to these huge. If people don't don't yeah. uh, do antique stuff, and, and we do, you go to these huge spaces oftentimes. Yeah. And then there's little. Uh, I, I call them kiosks. They're not kiosks. Yeah, it's like a little a little booth. A little booth. So that's what it was. And I've gone into them sometime where they're so. They're themed up almost like museum yeah. style. Like someone's real specific to like 50 stuff or 40 stuff or yeah. type of clothes. And and it's just gorgeous. Then you see some are just shits laying all over the floor. I think hers was much more gorgeous than my side was. Because yeah. I was like, I guess I'll do this. So yeah. I put in like, I used to sell plus size vintage online. Okay. So I put in some vintage clothing. Um, I had a lot of like Vogue's from the 50s and 40s that I was uh-huh. putting up and just like I used to work at Antiques Roadshow so okay I know a little bit about like antiques and like uh, and like thrift history. yeah and, re- and retro things like I can tell when something's made what could you tell 50s. us about this bottle well, um, this bottle is going to be around <laughs> for thousands of years and um, <laughs> and it's uh, we're all Global warming, all like, like a, an antique roadshow thing. Like, well, okay, we can tell by this bottle that it's totally yeah. This with- bottle uh, clearly this is like probably like a two thousand. It's probably two thousand and twelve, and it just stood in a warehouse for years and years <laughs> and years. And all the plastics leached into the water. Is know? it worth anything? What? <laughs> That's my um, favorite thing. Is when it's worth nothing. Yeah, no, it's this water is worth. Yeah. I mean, it's worth you know, water and precious bodily yeah. fluids. I like every once in a while if I remember right, I'd watch Antique Roadshow and somebody bring in something. They'd look and go, "Well, no, it's the same. This is crap." Yeah, yeah, I yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> those are great. Yeah. I, so I used to log the tape, and I would see those, and I could decide which uh, one of those. Like afterwards, like someone would be like, "We came here with our grandma's uh, Tupperware, and it turns out it's worthless, but we had a great time." So I got to choose those. But we, like, I would see the coolest stuff. Like one woman. My favorite one, woman brought in this gold band that had people dancing on it. She's like, I don't know, I got this from like, uh, I was doing work on a woman's house. She just gave it to me. She's like, oh, you like it, take it. And the guy's looking at it and he's like, okay, a few things about this. One, it's 24 karat gold. And she's like, whoa, super cool. And he's like, two, all these figures are hand hammered. It's a very long, arduous process. You know, that's going to add a lot to the value. And she's like, oh my God, so cool. And then he's like, third thing, this belongs in a museum. It's over 2,000 years old. 
Yow. So what it was, it was it was a headband that Greeks or the Romans would wear, like a fertility headband. Yeah. That woman somehow. Do those up work in her by the way? Drawer. Fertility headbands. Do those what? Work? Do those work? Fertility yeah, headbands. Yeah, I, I wear one all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so it's two thousand years old. So it's like worth twelve thousand. You put one on Mandy because she has yeah, baby fever. Yeah, we can get the, one. Yeah, the, 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 you the, want a fertility Mandy who drove you here? Give her a <laughs> fertility headband. <laughs> So now, is it in a museum now? What did the woman do? I don't with know it? what she did with it, but that was always that was one was my favorite one out of all the hours and hours of tape that I would log. You know, do, do you ever have a fear that like maybe the, the woman was also an alcoholic, got drunk at a bar one night, and goes, "Look, I just need some liquor. <laughs> I, I don't have any money, but I got this fertility headband." No, yeah. no, she had a very Midwest like uh, you know those haircuts where you like you can't tell if they're a soccer mom. Or a lesbian, like, like a bowling that in between, yeah. like the bowling like haircut. The sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, they might just have like given up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, where they just go. I raised seven kids. <laughs> Chopping it up. Hair on. Yeah, cigarette perennially in the side of the mouth. Yeah, bowling exactly. shirt on. <laughs> stretch pants that are stretched beyond. Yeah, her. and then yeah. she she's like, "This is my husband," and you're like, "What?" Yeah, and he's a little skinny guy, you know. With yeah. Only three teeth. He doesn't say anything because she can beat him up. Yeah. yeah. I miss the Midwest. That's what I want to be. <laughs> Someday. When, when I, all this is over, I'm going back. I'm going to go to live in Hibbing. <laughs> <laughs> I did a horrible thing in the 70s. What? I did I did a lot of horrible things. But I moved to Los Angeles from St. Louis, and uh, I, I used to enjoy a, a cocktail or two in those days. Yeah. And I was totally out of money, which happens to you immediately after you move to Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. No matter You get a multimillionaire show up in Los Angeles a week later, they're selling blood. Yep. And uh, what I had was a coin collection. And I didn't know my way around, but I I wanted to I wanted booze that night, and I popped all the coins on my coin collection and bought oh like a case God. of beer for face value of the coins. How much are the coins worth? I don't know. They were like buffalo head nickels and Indian head pennies. Aren't those like silver worth dollars? A lot of money. Not as much as you would think, but they were worth more than the face value yeah. for sure. There's always that one. It's like with stamps. If you can never find a stamp with an upside down biplane on it, yeah. you're set for life. But it's the one that's worth millions of dollars. Yeah. But because I've got like thousands, I, I, I'm a collector. I collect yeah. things, and uh, so I've got a bunch of silver coins now. But right now they're only worth well, look, some are worth twenty five or thirty bucks. Yeah. And their face value is a dollar, so that's pretty good. Yeah. But it's not like magic. It's not like you take it to antique roadshow and you go, "This should be in a museum." The only thing yeah. that they would say should be in a museum if I went there is me. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> So let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, you grew up in Minnesota. Yes. You started comedy in Minnesota? I did when I was 16. I started. Acme? Um, I did Acme a few times. Did a couple of weird open mics, and then I stopped until I was about 18. Did it a few more times, and then picked it up in Boston when I was 21 full-time. Would you go to BU? I went to Mass Art. You went to Mass Art? Yeah. Okay. So I have a film degree. Oh. Almost as useless as comedy was going to be. <laughs> So you, all right, so you went to Boston, which has a, a really uh, uh, still, uh, maybe not as storied as it once yeah. was, but still a very vibrant local comedy scene. Oh, it's still great. It's yeah. so, it, like, whenever I go back, I mean, I'm like, I don't, I know less and less people, but it's still always good to go back and see what's going on there. Like, even now, the generation of people that are out from there, Eugene Merman yeah. is from there, Mike Kaplan's from there. Um, uh, Josh Gondelman, like all these people, like they're you know Mike Kaplan's like, you know, hugely great and oh the, yeah the Mike and then so you know it's like people of my generation or before me they're all doing something yeah like that came out of Boston they're all like writing for John Oliver or writing for this show or they just landed this gig or whatever so 
it's still like it's still super vibrant. People are always coming out of there that are killing there, There's not a big comedy club in Boston. Right? Didn't the connection there close? There is now. There's there called is? Laughs Boston. That's Laughs like, Boston. That's like the mainstream one. Then there's like um, the comedy studio, which is like more the alternative scene yeah. in Cambridge, uh-huh. um, which is like my home club. And then there's Nick's is still there. Nick's yeah. Comedy Stop. Um, I think it's still there. Then there's the Wilbur, which is now the big stadium like theater. Like uh-huh. comedy theater. So like Louie plays there. Gotcha. And um, Bill Burr does that. The last time I was in Boston, I, had a, uh, I have a friend named Jim Laletta, who's a... Uh, I know Jim You know Jim? Yeah, Jim? yeah, Jim and I are, are good buddies. And um, uh, I, would, I actually stayed with his family the last time. I, it, it, this is like a long time ago. It's like 20 years ago, maybe. Yeah. And, and I played uh, some club in Thaniel Hall. That was, that was the connection. The connection, yeah. And yeah. it was this huge club. Upstairs. Yeah, ran by uh, this guy who... Um, no one in the local scene liked. They didn't like the guy, you know, and I don't think he liked them. He didn't. He didn't <laughs> respect the local comedy scene. And I and uh, but I, I was I was doing my road thing because I was on a road for like fifteen years. Oh. So I, I got a gig and I went to Boston. But yeah. it was one of those deals because it's Boston. There was no hotel, no airfare. Yeah, you know, and uh, and I stayed with Jim. But I remember that I loved Boston and had a great time there. And I have a lot of good friends from a different generation. Uh, Steve Sweeney, I used to yeah. work with in Las Vegas. I'm buds with Steve. Yeah. Not like super close, but like um, I've worked with Steve, uh, Tony V. Tony V. Yeah. yeah. When I first started, because my name's Tony Visick, and I thought oh. that I'd have a hard time. So I called myself Tony V, and I got at least two bookings in Florida because I thought I was thought him. You were the other Tony V. And then I got there, and they were like really pissed off because I was new and not funny, <laughs> and he'd been around and was funny. So then I went, I can't be Tony V. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you should have stuck with it. I should have. You could be playing Kowloon's <laughs> right now. Oh, uh, killing it. Uh, Joe Yannetti. Do you know Joe? Yeah. Yeah. So Joe, uh, I think he just got to the hospital. So uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There's, I mean, that's the thing about Boston. It's so weird is that the old guard, they're just like, they just never left. Like no. the Lenny Clark, Steve Sweeney. Um, yeah, like Tony V, like they're still there headlining and just killing it yeah. there. But I don't see that in any other places. Like there's no just like old guard that's just always there. No, it, it, it's a, a little bit you'd see it in Los Angeles now. Yeah. But And there was a brilliant uh, female writer named Laura Dombrowski mm-hmm. who came out of uh, Boston and was like uh, one of the, uh, I would say one of the head writers for uh, uh, God, Mad TV, for Mad TV. Yeah who uh, uh, passed on a few years ago, but mm-hmm. was so proactive, that scene. I think she wrote a book about it. You know, she was so helpful to so many comics. Yeah. And she came out of that scene, you know? And it was just, it was, you know, Dennis Leary came out of that scene. scene. Of, yeah. I'm so lucky, like, cause I had the good, like Minneapolis is a great scene too, but like Boston, it just, it has something extra. You know what Boston did, and I don't know if it still does, that other local scenes didn't, is they paid those guys. Yeah. So they made a. They were able to make a living at home. Yeah, that's why they never left. So that's why they never left. Yeah, and and they, they loved living in Boston. Living. Yeah. And then all the one nighters that are everywhere. I mean, like when I was coming up, I was lucky that in like three, four years in, I was making money doing it. Yeah. So because I could do all the one nighters in Maine and New Hampshire, Connecticut, and there's all these bookers that are book like Lions. Like I did so many Lions Clubs <laughs> and like uh, Elks Lodges and. All, it was great. It was just, there was so much. There's so much to do. And then you get used to what it's like entertaining, like a real audience. Yeah. And then when you go to New York and L.A., you know how to deal with actual audiences. And I feel like people who 
start in like New York or LA are just so contained sure. into that world that they don't know what it's like to deal with other people. When I started out, uh, a mentor of mine said, be careful that you don't write an act that just works on Melrose. They used to say, there's, he goes, there's Melrose comics. I mean, he goes, they kill, all, they do all, they, they get tourists coming to town and they want to feel like they're inside. So they do all these inside Melrose, Hollywood yeah. references. And then they go to St. Louis or Chicago or something. Nobody knows what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, th- there were little things that they weren't true, but were kind of funny. When I started out, they, uh, there was a joke going, um, uh, did you hear uh, what happened to the San Francisco comic? His career ended. And they go, why? And they go, the audience got his jokes. So... <laughs> <laughs> Although we have, I, I just I saw a friend of mine from San Francisco the other day, Kurt Matthews, is on tour. You would have, you would have enjoyed the gig we did last night. What'd you guys do? We, a friend of mine called me up and goes, a friend of mine, and I always worry about friend of mine, friend of mine things. Yeah. Is opened a bar in a town called Casa Grande, Arizona. Yeah. And he wants to have some comics, so a couple of us went down there to go. Well, you guys go down and do it, and we, and uh, we walk in, and the acoustics were terrible. And I oh, talked yeah. to the owner, and he goes, oh, you're here. And I go, well, where's we going to do the show? He goes, right here. And he pointed to an area on the floor. <laughs> and I said, where's the stage? He goes, well, we don't have a stage. I go, okay. I go, what are you going to put the microphone? He goes, we don't have a microphone. No way. I said, we can put like, we don't have any lights. And we actually, I stood, and there was a big birthday party, like 15 people. You know, there were some bikers there, yeah. you know. And I, I just had the best goddamn time I've had in years. Really? Because I used to start out where I used to get book places where they go, you'll like it. You show up, and it's sawdust. Yes. You know, but it was 200 bucks, so you go, okay, fine. Yeah. So you would have loved that gig because you, you sound like, like you're a gamer. You'll, pl- you'll play anywhere. You'll do anything. Sometimes. I recently did one where basically it was for promotion for a festival, and they just dropped us off at a random spot, and we had to do stand-up. People didn't rec- like know that it was happening. Yeah. And that was very stressful. That was like, oh, no one's listening to me. No one likes me. And it's daylight. <laughs> like, I'm outside. <laughs> <laughs> Going up there and do your little skit. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, oh, I don't want to do yeah, that. They were like disappointed you showed up because, you know, at the last, they realized it was a bad idea. And maybe if you yeah. don't show up, they don't have to pay you. You know what it is? is I've, I'm not at the, I don't remember that I don't have to do everything. Because <laughs> when you're first starting out, yeah. you're like, I have to do everything. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Like, I can say no. I forget. I forget that, like, if someone's like, do you want to do an outdoor festival during the day? <laughs> and um, I, I can just be like, no. <laughs> No, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. They go, well, then we hate you. Yeah, you're I, like, I well, I don't care. I'm gonna, I'm in movies. So Is this <laughs> go to hell? <laughs> well, you know, we want to take a little break. We come back. We want to talk about uh, two of the movies that you're in. When it's uh, only two movies I'm in. So. Yeah, but they're 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 high pro. They're kind of fun, high profile pictures. Yeah, hopefully right? there's gonna be more down the line. Well, I, f- I think based on what we're seeing, the two movies are, and we'll talk about we Bad Santa two. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Fifty Shades of Black. Yep. Okay, so if you're going to start out a movie career, I mean, most people start out, you know, third guy on the left in a yeah. daytime Emmy uh, losing so- uh, soap opera. I went straight to supporting actress. You went Just straight supporting to supporting lead. actress in, yeah. uh, in kind of high-profile pictures. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. We're talking to Jenny Zagrino. She is at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy, which is at, uh, check, this is, I've, I've spent a lot of money on this studio. <laughs> it's on 5350 East Hi, Dude. Street. See how I did that? Is it? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> hey, baby. Uh, and here's a bit, man. The crazy thing about the man is I was trying to bust people for weed. 
Um, Not anymore. Yeah. Everything's legal. Yeah, everything is legal, unless you're in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where all the wrong things are legal and the right things are illegal. Oh, um, my God, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, pay, oral, forced oral, oral sex is uh, legal in Oklahoma. How is that? How? How is that possible? Have you been to Oklahoma? I used to own a comedy I, club in Oklahoma. I can you? tell you how it's possible. <laughs> And if you drive through a bunch of cash, they can take it and they won't give it back. So uh, even if it's for a Christian rock band. So (laughs) that's a tangent. We just went off on a tangent. Don't you wish there were some states who were just like, can you just not be a part of us anymore? Can you just go away for a little bit? Here's the issue. I mean, we'll talk as we go to break. Even in those states that seem horrible, when you look at elections and stuff, usually like 40 to 45% of the people... Yeah. In, in the reddest state, in the most reactionary place in the United States, almost half of the people really hate what's going on. Then, I, well, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I, we could get you and I too. just move. We just get sick of it. We move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, other folks won't or don't or are going to try to stay there or and change can't. it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like um, uh, some of the stuff that goes on in this state that a lot of us are uh, fighting to change. And you do yeah. it incrementally, but you like it here for a whole bunch of reasons and you hate some of the things going on you go well we're going to fight those things yeah we can talk about all that stuff uh, coming up right after the break we're talking with jenny zagrino uh she is at rick bronson's house of comedy 5350 east high street house of comedy.net two shows tonight two shows tomorrow one show sunday yep all right she's there the entire time go to house of comedy.net and find out you're listening to this american podcast comedy edition comedy schools radio.com I'm a road runner, honey. Got a brand new house on the roadside, made for rattlesnake high. 
Got a brand new chimney made on top, made out of a human skull. And now come on, take a little walk with me, Arlene, and tell me who do you love? I'll tell you who we love. You know who we love? We love Jenny Zagrino. It's you. You're here. Yeah, hold on. That's me. I had you off, then I had you too hot. Now you're just right. You're like porridge. Am I just right? You're just right. Perfect. And we are speaking with her. She's at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy all this weekend. Friday, two shows. Saturday, two shows. Sunday, one show. Isn't that a beautiful club? It's great. Yeah? Yeah, it's really pretty. You know, if you're like someone like me who's had to work on his self-esteem his entire life, I walk yeah. into Rick's place and go, I don't belong here. <laughs> this, this is too pretty for me, man. <laughs> Let's go someplace else. Let's just go down to Burger Death. No, no. See, see, I I feel like uh, I now, as, as I'm growing as a comedian, I'm like, I, I'm thinking I deserve maybe more than I actually do deserve. Ah. <laughs> I'm just like, why am I not flying first class everywhere? Do they know who I am? <laughs> like, no, they didn't I know I like who that. You, are. you know, that's one of the cool things about comedy is that uh, people who come from non-entertainment backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, I you I came. I'm assuming you came from a non-entertainment background. Uh, my mom was a musician growing up, but like. What kind of musician? Uh, piano. Piano. Yeah, back in Russia. Was she like lesson musician or was she like performance musician? Like lessons. Lesson, yeah. She want. Stop. I think she wanted to be performance. Yeah. The more I learn about her, the more I'm like, oh, she loved to act. 
She was a dancer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I didn't. Could know. she play like, boogie woogie? I never woogie? knew about that. Did they even line? allow that in Russia? No, I don't think boogie <laughs> woogie was not. Day. It was considered counter revolutionary. Yeah. To uh, play with a heavy left hand. <laughs> exactly. Because that's boogie woogie's not with the. So. <laughs> yeah, that's not allowed. All right, that was Western influence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is not part of the revolution. Yeah. You pl- you play high sharp, grating notes. That's, that's right. what Russia is. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of stuff with <laughs> Philip Glasgow, I can't listen yeah. to this shit. This is terrible. <laughs> He's uh, the national musician of Russia, Philip Glass. <laughs> Philip Glass. It is atonal. There's a, it's, it's. Have you ever have you ever listened to? So you know Philip Glass. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Einstein on the beach all the way through? No. And I mean, know, I know, like I I've heard like snippets, but I'm just like it's I've, almost impossible. I can't. I tried. He did the um the Gandhi opera too, right? Yeah. I. I watched. There was one song I was like, I really dig it. But then afterwards, I was like, five hour. It's like a five hour opera. I can't. A lot of people though see it. a correlation between heavy metal and Philip Glass because they're both atonal because they yeah. they, they remove the melody. So that's why I have a hard time with a lot of heavy metal too. Did in uh, Philip Glass has heavy metal? No, yeah, he- yeah, because he's atonal. Yeah. Because you're talking about in atonal, there there's not an emphasis on melody. Yeah. And like in speed metal, there's not, there is no melody. Yeah. So there's a correlation, oddly enough, in music uh, among some music theoreticians between Philip Glass and speed metal. <laughs> Chew on that for a while. I feel like that's just metalheads being like, no, we're smart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There, I've never met a single metalhead who knew who Philip Glass was. Yeah, exactly. Was. Yeah. Math metal. That's Ma- a, that's a thing. Math metal. Yeah, that's I have a like thing? A, I I knew a guy who had a metal band and they only played stuff like they did like math time like with the with the timing and how the notes were like they did a whole song on pi. Really? Yeah. I would like to on hear like that. The, th- the the pi ratio. It's I would a real li- thing. Math metal. Look it up. I would like to hear that either because I'm deeply interested in all forms of music or I'm yeah. at the age right now where I go, well, let's find out about that. Yeah, you're <laughs> just like, I'm two. hip, I'm with it. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't think math metal's hip. I don't think it's coming into its own anytime I soon. I think it's cutting edge. I think it's, <laughs> I think if Lou Reed were alive today, he'd be a math, he'd be doing math metal. Math metalitician. That's my metal impression. Let's talk movies. Okay. I know. I want to get. I want to. I, I think that I, I. think we could sit here and talk with you all day, forever and ever about yeah, everything. Uh, I'm pretty not good only at talking. Are, are you, you're, you're a good talker. Yeah. You know what they say about her? She's a good talker. That's you, right. If you want a good so talking many, to. This southern accent has been like a whole theme of the day. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I spoke to a guy with a southern accent earlier. Then I had to do another southern accent, and now you're doing a southern accent. That wasn't southern. That was. It was Southern. <laughs> but I, I don't have an accent. You ever notice people with accents claim not to have an accent? Yeah. I don't know what I'll you're t- talking about. <laughs> it's a nice St. Louis accent. This is more of a, a West Texas accent because it's all up in the nose here like this. Yeah. Hey, buddy, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. And you can't take it serious. That's why it's you easy to get beat up in Texas. This is the thing The thing I had earlier is like, uh, it's unfortunate, but every time you do a Southern accent, like the person sounds like it's always a dumb person accent. It's, yeah. You know? Unless it costs, it's like this. Oh, like that, like Georgia. Like, like an attorney. Yeah. And I'm, I'm we pleased that you showed up today for your deposition. Yeah, even that, <laughs> even that's a little like, oh, he's gonna murder me. Yeah, he's gonna murder you. Yeah, but not dumb, homicidal. Yeah. He's like, or he's the devil, like the devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah. It's just Al Pacino. I would like to ask you a few simple questions, and when no, we're done, do. your life will be over. Yeah. 
<laughs> You've been in two movies. Yes. Okay. And in one of them, you're with one of my all-time favorite actors. And uh, and one of the reasons I also like him because... Marlon Wayans? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I like the Wayans. I like the Wayans guys. I like them. Marlon's fantastic. Marlon's fantastic. Uh, uh, but I think you're talking about Billy Bob Thornton. No, I was, I was talking about Keenan Ivory Wayans. Really? No, <laughs> I was talking about the female Wayans. There's yeah, one of them, Kim, too. Kim Wayans. Yeah, there's a Kim Wayans. Yeah. yeah, they're almost like the Osmonds. They are. I mean, there's like eight of them, and they're all in show business. And then not to mention their offspring are also all in show business. It's insane. You know, I got in a Twitter feud with one of them one time, inadvertently. I Which also, one? Uh, I, I, who knows? <laughs> but... <laughs> But after a while, I was snarky, and I was sitting in a restaurant someplace where I knew he was nowhere near. And yeah. I said, no way, which Wayans are you? I'm getting confused. And, oh, and, 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 he, and he actually went, dude, that's cold. It actually, and because, uh, I mean, they're, they're a very successful family. Yeah. But I was talking about my favorite uh, misanthropic individual, Billy Bob Thornton. Yes. So you did Bad Santa 2. Yes. With Billy Bob Thornton. Mm-hmm. It's coming out November 23rd. Did you have scenes with Billy Bob himself? I did have scenes with Billy Bob. And uh, uh, is he anorexic? He's not anorexic. <laughs> He's vegan. He's vegan. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. We like Billy Bob. I mean, love him. He I was fa- fantastic. He's fantastic in everything he, he's he's ever done. He really. He's like. I remember on set. I was set. I like took him aside and was like, "You do what I want to do. Like, I want to write, direct, and do yeah. my own stuff. Teach me what to do." Did he teach you? Was he? He was. He was. We had like a nice long conversation about it, and I'm I'm hoping at some point I might contact him again and be like. We need to have like a longer conversation about it, but it, you know he writes everything by hand. Yeah, was he and a friendly like, guy? He's so friendly. Yeah, he's so nice. He's yeah. really nice, supportive, um, funny, so funny to talk to. Yeah. You oh, t- he's great. Yeah. You know, he. Uh, a lot of people don't know that he was in. There's a movie called Tombstone. It's a lot of people's favorite. Yeah, Western. I was when I was doing my research on Billy Bob. I found Tombstone, and then I found Affair of the Heart. The Affair of the Heart. The, you Hearts talk, Affair. You're talking about the sitcom? Yeah. Yeah. The, he it, was in. It was John Ritter's sitcom. Yeah. And he was in it. And I think what they played were uh, like Washington lobbyists or something. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the the uh, sitcom only lasted like a season or so. It was two seasons. Yeah. So he I sh- did my research. Oh. <laughs> What's that? He did quite a bit with John. Well, they, they became pals. Yeah. And then, you know, Billy Bob decided that the way he was going to make his career was by, as I understand it, by taking his career in his own hands yeah. and created Sling Blade. That's the only way to really do it. Like, yeah. Because, you know, um, this is a conversation that, like, you know, I had with him about we both kind of feel like we hate the way film is going and, like, because and, I want to be a filmmaker. Like, that's uh-huh. number one after stand-up is write, direct, and star on my own stuff. Sure. So we ha- we had that conversation, but it is like you know I've been in these two films and uh, I I don't play like characters that I would you know love choose to for play. yourself. Yeah, you know like I, it's fun. And I neither did he. It. He got typecast into something. I, and I'm doing. Yeah. This, I'm, I'm getting the like the chubby girl that's like you know sex obsessed or like kind of crazy and wild best friend that it lends to how I look or my body type while it's like I want to play more complicated roles where like I could be like a sexually desirable character that's not like I'm a fuck all the time that's just like <laughs> oh this is this person's like a real person and they have like a real right, relationship say that again say that again I want to fuck all the time <laughs> You know, so, or like, or like if I have like a sex scene, it's like a classy sex scene or like an intimate, like loving or like, um, I want to talk about issues I want to talk about or, you know, play roles that 
that are more than just like I'm a vessel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, which which to say is I'm not. It's not that I'm not grateful. Like I'm so grateful for what I've had already, and hopefully it'll give me the ability to get what I want. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? You're typecast, but then you're working a lot. But at the same time, the creative part of you wants to expand beyond that. Yeah, and and the whole point is, especially like in this business, is to make the connections so that you can have that opportunity later down the line. You know, you know I, like, I have a friend who uh, did very well for years playing satanic characters. Michael Massey, you know, it just plays demons all the time. He uh, he was in The Crow. He's played Satan. He uh, <laughs> he was in the first season of Twenty Four. He was the bad yes. guy. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and he's, okay. a, he's and he's 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 the sweetest, most wonderful guy. He's a total yeah. family man. And uh, I had him at a seminar one time to speak to young actors and stuff. And he's sitting there and he goes, "Can I smoke in here?" And I go, "Yeah, can you smoke?" And he goes. I played the devil maybe seven times. It's a job. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> I spoke with him one time, and he goes, he goes, I, I got, he goes, I want to play something else besides the TV version of Hannibal Lecter, which he played on Rizzoli and Isles. <laughs> you know? So he had actually said, I'm gaining weight and going back to acting classes because he was so thin that he had that sort of yeah. gaunt. But there's a lot that you have to go through as an actor and actress for these people yeah. who are supposedly supposed to know what they're doing. To see what you really are. Well, that's the lovely thing about being a stand-up is that you have an extra, an an extra thing that sets you apart. So, like, you know, I go in for auditions. I don't get the audition. Doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I'm still performing and doing my yeah. art and my craft, and people are noticing that. Like, they bring me in because they see what I do on stand-up versus me having to sit and wait around and be like, okay, who's gonna call me in? Like. Oh, do they need like a, a another like fat girl for this part or whatever it is? Yeah. It's like they're like, oh, your originality and your style on stage is so captivating. We want to harness that into this character or whatever it is. And at the end of the day, you know, the hope is that people like you enough where they know that you can carry something by yourself. You know, like your own sitcom or your own. I, I don't. I don't want to do like a three camera, but I would do like a single cam. Yeah, well, if comedy. the money was right, you know, like twenty thousand episode, three I cameras. Mean, and you walk in, you go, uh-oh, I, I spilled know, again. I don't know. You, <laughs> know just, you hope that you can 20 just, Gs. 20 yeah. Gs. Residuals. People get more than that Second now. Year. People some people uh, get 27 it, Gs. Is it, is it back to that? There was a big drop in, in the uh, pay scale uh, when TV started changing again dramatically. Yeah. So instead of starting out, you know, they're sitcom stars, they were starting yeah. out at 80,000. All of a sudden, it was 20, and, and they were just wailing and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. So. Uh, well, it's, now it's different. Everything is different about how the TV, no, no one watches TV. Like, anyone in my generation, we don't watch TV. We watch Netflix or we watch Hulu yeah. on our computers. And everything is like, so many internet providers are looking for original content now so that you can go out and be like, oh, hey, here, Amazon, here's my stuff, because, you know, ABC, NBC, and CBS don't want it. They want edgier stuff because the edgier stuff is what's getting noticed. But they never really you know? get edgy stuff on broadcast. What is edgy yeah, comes off as clunky and purient, and the edgy stuff is on. I mean, some of the premium uh, cable channels are still doing great stuff. Like FX is great. FX is doing fantastic stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like we're we're totally enamored of Fargo and. Uh, uh, I loved Fargo. Wasn't that great? Oh, yeah. Both so first season and second season. They're so good. Did you think when the second season came along, you thought, "How are you going to follow that? How are you going to follow Billy Bob?" Yeah. With the second season, and then it turned out to be absolutely wonderful. It's. I'm not done with the second season yet. So um, I'm still like pirating. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I mean, it's it's just the that show is so phenomenal. That's a show I would love to be on. Also, when I was on set, is uh, they kept they kept saying how much I looked like the main girl in uh, in Far- the first Fargo. Oh yeah, she was yeah. fantastic. She was so good. She was wonderful. I now you did Bad Santa too, and they yeah. they brought obviously they can't bring back Bernie Mac no matter how hard they try. No, yeah, and that's sad. Great. You know, but uh, are there other original cast members involved? Yeah. Billy Bob is there, uh-huh. um, and then uh, Brett Kelly's still in it, and yeah. uh, Tony Cox are in it. So, but they still got you three main guys. They changed out the female lead. It's no longer the Gilmore Girls. No, it's girl. Christina Hendricks. Christina Hendricks, she's yeah. popular. Yeah. Do they? Does it have? You know, Bad Santa will always be iconic. Yeah. For and, and Billy Bob didn't didn't utter the sentence. She did, and you know what the sense is? They will always be iconic from Bad Santa. What? Fuck me, Santa. Fuck me. <laughs> You just you hear that? It's like I thought I was gonna be. I'm I'm not gonna shit straight for a week. I thought that was the iconic, the iconic line. That you know that's it. That's it. They say that American literature is dead, but it's not. You can no, watch, it's yeah. alive and well. <laughs> now I want to talk about uh, if you don't mind, we'll talk about anything that you want yeah. to talk do you about. Do you want to talk about Fifty Shades a little bit? We do want to talk about okay. that. Okay. Okay. So you did that. Fifty Shades of Black. Yes. Which. All we know about it so far, that we know about it, and we, yeah. we try to check it out, but that it's a parody yes. of Fifty Shades of Grey. Oddly enough, it's a film parody done by a member of the Wayans family. Yes. This is groundbreaking. Very groundbreaking. You've never I've heard never of such a thing. This. They only do dramas and biopics, <laughs> so it's very out of their wheelhouse. Are you, are you playing the female lead? In I'm, the- not, I'm the supporting lead. So You're the supporting lead. It goes Marlon is the lead, then Callie Hawk plays the uh, lead actress, and then I'm the best friend. You're the best friend. Yeah. So okay. pretty cool. My first. You know, Ronald like, Reagan when, started out playing the best friend all the time. That's all I'm saying. Did he? I, listen, yeah. I'm going to go into politics. <laughs> I'm really tired of the way things are going. Do you know the so, famous story when he ran for governor of no. what the head of MGM said? What? No, the head of Warner Brothers. He goes bad casting. <laughs> he goes Jimmy Stewart for governor. Ronald Reagan is the best friend. <laughs> You did Fifty Shades of Black. Do you have any? Do you have any? Do you have sex scenes? Yeah. You do. Oh, several. Okay. Is there a fun ball involved? Uh, what's a fun ball? The ball gag. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> That's how they sell it now to the general public. Like no, ball- so I don't do any of the crazy like uh, eight, uh, I said I almost said H and M stuff. S and M stuff. <laughs> they cover my body with stamps. <laughs> uh, I don't do any of that stuff. Um, I do have sex with Afian Crockett. Who has um, a 19-inch wiener in it? In in it? Yeah, and it's in it. It's in it. So he's a, it's great. And then it, and did then they bring in a stuntman for that part? Or no, he did all his, st- his own stunts. <laughs> yeah. What a what a trooper. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's a I have a sex scene where I'm like basically getting. I mean, the movie's out. You guys can see it. But um, I get uh, I get pleasured under the table. As well as on top of the table in front of Fred Willard and Jane Seymour. <laughs> oh, you don't even what, know. Is Fred on the table or under the table? He's right next to me. He's right now, he's next to you. So I don't know what, like, in the movie you don't see it, but, like, when we were doing, we were shooting it, you know, the great thing is that Marlon allowed me to go off and do whatever I wanted. Uh-huh. So. My script was just notes, 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 new jokes, new ideas, new uh-huh. gags, whatever, which was so fun to do. Of course, not all of them get in there, but there were scenes where, like, you know, I'm getting <laughs> eaten out. 
and Fred is talking about something else, and then I like get to high five him in the middle of it. Like I'm <laughs> sitting there moaning, like, oh, oh, that's right. And then I like high five him. We fist bump while I'm like getting knocked around on the <laughs> table. You know, so then, but then, like, uh, the, the, so it was my first film. They're like, okay, Jenny, um, we're <laughs> doing sound, film. so we need you to mime having sex. And I was like, okay. And I just thought mime was like, oh, they just want me to, like, act uh-huh. having sex. So the whole scene goes through. I'm, like, giving it 100%. And they're like, Jenny, we said you need to, like, mime it, so you have to not make any sounds. Make any sounds. <laughs> and I was like, oh. So I had to do the whole thing over again. You obviously had never silent. been married because you were still making sounds. Exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's so hard to like go through all those sexual emotions and not have to make noise. And then and then you're like holding my breath because I just can't not make the noise. Yeah. So it's just like, a, it's so weird. Like simulated sex is the strangest thing you'll ever have to do because your body's like, no, we're definitely having sex, right? everything's working and then you're you're like no we're not and the body's like no we are come on <laughs> this is real and you have to like like you go through all the feelings and all the emotions of having sex like i even like felt that like the coupling with Afion where i was like i think i'm in love with him now <laughs> but that, none of it's real and you're yeah. like oh it's just i was just like whatever well, you, I mean, you have, in your first two films, I mean, you, you mentioned Fred Willard, who's who's iconic oh, in the world great. of comedy. He's just he's just one of the funniest guys ever. I mean, going all the way back, I mean, beyond uh, working with Martin Mull back in the 70s. Yeah. In, like, something called Fernwood Tonight. But, I mean. Uh, heard of it. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, working with Billy Bob. And, you know, as much as we make fun of the way, and very successful and talented people. Yeah. But here's our question, because this is what we were talking about earlier, because uh, I have a 26-year-old daughter. Yes. Okay, and uh, uh, my wife, Shirley, who's uh, producing the show, she has daughters, and we have a granddaughter. Yeah. Right? And um, uh, when I was younger, uh, you still think you are what you are until you realize that, you know, now you're growing tomato plants and going, well, I don't know, we might have to clean the pool. I still think that I'm, you know, ripping and running on Hollywood Boulevard, but I'm not. Okay. But that uh, Dakota Johnson, who was in Fifty Shades of Grey, yes. and I got to be honest with you, I, as far as those movies, The Secretary, I thought was a more fun movie. I loved The with Secretary with the exact same theme. Yeah, as Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey got all the all the push, but The Secretary was more well acted, better better acting in it. Oh, you know, with James yeah. Spader and Maggie Gyllenhaal. But your family is going to see Fifty Shades of Black. Yeah, they all now, saw but it. it's it's comedic. But yeah. we were we were thinking about Dakota Johnson, who it comes from Hollywood royalty, if you will. Yeah. Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith, who were both badass wild kids of Hollywood, yeah. who are now adults. What it must be like to sit there and watch your daughter on the big screen, even though you know it's a film, and even though you were what you were at one time. Yeah. That you were wild and crazy, you know, with a Coke straw in your in your nose and something I up your wish. butt. I wish. Yeah. I wish I was that wild and crazy. And I, I also just sat around and like watched re- like Amadeus on loop. Like, that's all I did. <laughs> Amadeus, Amadeus. And like, yeah. That's I, that was that would bother me about the original film Amadeus that the song by Falco was not involved in it. I'm okay with that. Are you okay right? then? Okay I love that, that song. I love. Ugh, I Rock love that me, movie. Amadeus. Oh my god, that movie's the best. Here, that was, I wish I existed during that time in like '85. Because Amadeus was out, which was great. And then Prince was doing his whole 18th century look. I would have had such a great time. Here's a little trivia about the movie Amadeus. Let's see you know this, okay? The the guy who he wrote the opera for, kind of the rich guy, uh, not not the F. Murray Abraham role, but like the guy who he partied with and stuff, who he was writing an opera for at the end. Do you know that he 
had played Amadeus, I believe, uh, either in London or on Broadway. Oh, really? And and was, it got huge accolades of it. And when Milos Foreman interviewed the guy, he called the guy in. Yeah. The guy got called in, you know, and they called him in. And uh, so he thinks he's being called in to play Amadeus. And Milos Foreman going, I saw you in London. I saw you in New York. I've seen this play everywhere all, all over the world. I've never seen a better Mozart than you. So we have to be able to find something for you in this movie. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. That sucks. Yeah. And but Tom Hulse killed it. He, he, did, he did fantastic. Tom Hulse was the, that laugh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and okay. it kind of, what was cool about it is they showed, because we, we so deify certain people or certain eras, yeah. that he was, he was no different than, say, Johnny Rotten. Yeah. You know, that he, he just, just tore it up drunk. a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, we were around in the 80s. It was fun. We didn't realize it at the was time. I, I lived I lived on Hollywood <laughs> Boulevard in 1985. So, oh. uh, I got sober there. Oh, my God. It was such a horrible place in the 80s. Hollywood? Well, it depends on what you were looking I, for. Well, as sober you was probably like, this is not a good so, place. Sober me moved to the valley not too long yeah. after. <laughs> Drunk and high me went... I'm here. It was Hollywood, my dreams. I, I joke about it. Six months after I got sober, I walked out of my apartment. Tell them, like, why are these people dressed in black? It's noon. <laughs> it's sunny. <laughs> why is this person trying to hurt me? <laughs> Listen, everyone in Hollywood's trying to hurt so me. So your okay. family, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we got yeah. way off topic. Yeah, I know. That's fine. It's great. <laughs> your family saw Fifty Shades of Black. Yeah, they all saw it. And anything at all? Um, I They weren't. Uh, so the scene. Are you that, nude in any of these? I'm not nude. No. You're not nude. No. But um, you're simulating sex I'm all over the place. Sex, but yeah. it's such a weird character that I play. That's so not me. Yeah. I think my parents are probably able to disassociate that that was me. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, I think that's my daughter. <laughs> but um, they went and saw it, and I think, you know, you just you get over it. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever, just turn away. Like I, from what I actually did to what got in the movie is way tamer like when i was done doing my scenes i was like oh my god no one can ever see this film that but it, it's on film it's gonna turn me. up you know it's gonna turn up oh yeah on. i'm sure that you know in in 20 years when i am running for office they're gonna be like yeah she was in 50 shades of black do we really want this uh, <laughs> this person as our candidate is so. this what you want as your state senator exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh daddy yes yes jenny zagrino Wants to protect your children, but can she when she <laughs> engages in behaviors like, ah, I know. Ah. See, that's the thing is Reagan never had that problem. Reagan he never had, had that problem. There, there, were, there were certainly rumors about his uh, personal lifestyle uh, when uh, he was a young man. Was it like uh, when, um, oh, my God, who are the two actors? You just said one of them. The uh, Don Johnson? No, 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 running for uh, governor. Running for governor, um... Running for governor. Yeah, and then well, how Reagan plays the best friend. I oh, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart yeah. and um, him and uh, oh my God, why can't I remember? I think you're mixing. You, I think what you're talking about, you're talking about Cary Grant. Cary Grant and Randolph Scott. No, no, no. I think it was Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant lived together. No, no. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to know. No, was you. it okay? okay. But it, it, uh, Jimmy Stewart. There was never anything about Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart was. Clean as a whistle. As clean as a whistle. That's why he's probably the devil. He, he's a guy who moved to Canada and joined the Royal Air Force before World War II got before the uh, United States got involved with World War II. Yeah. Because he thought that Hitler was evil and that something had to be done, and he couldn't wait. There's a great story of him writing a letter to Lou Wasserman, who was yeah. his agent at the time, going, uh, even though I'm in the military, I still want to be my agent, so I still intend to send you 10% of 
of my salary. Therefore, you will find enclosed near a check for two dollars and forty-two cents. <laughs> He'd gone from a top box office guy to being yeah. in the military for four or five years, and then came back. I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. But yeah, they. Carrie Grant together. lived with Randolph like... Scott. They had a bachelor pad, in, I believe, in Malibu. I mean, were they bachelors? Well, no one really well, ever knows maybe about Carrie Grant. Came by every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, no, this was pre-rock. <laughs> they were pre-rock, but uh, Randolph Scott was then became well known for the fact that he was gay. You know, yeah. but he, he played great. And if you really watch him in his Westerns now, if you watch closely, you go, oh, yeah, I kind of see it. Nobody <laughs> nobody really holds a gun like that, you know? But he was a great Western star, yeah. man. Yeah. No one's, no one's yeah. going to hold it against yeah. him. So, uh, uh, wait, so you're going to run for office? Yeah. Yeah? Would you actually think about politics? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, after, this, after what's going on right now, I'm so just like... Are you a Bernie girl? Bernie. You're yeah. Bernie? I'm all for Bernie. I just... It's just so... I'll just get on my soapbox for a minute. Sure. It's so clear that if you want change to happen, you can't go with the someone who is taking money from the from the person that if you want the banks, if you want to split up the banks or you know that the banks are part of the problem, why are you gonna elect the person that's taking money from the banks? They're not gonna do crap. For Absolutely. You. That's it. That's so cut and dry. And then also, if you want to get into it, if you have a if any of my candidates have an address at Del in Delaware, the known tax haven state at that one address where over 200,000 companies have their addresses there to use as a tax haven, I don't want you. Like, that's it. Uh-huh. It's so simple and easy, but, you know, people are... That being said, yeah. okay, and I and I understand, and I tell you what, when I was uh, 17, I campaigned for a guy named George McGovern. I know. I know the whole McGovern thing. I read 1972 on the campaign trail. Yeah. I wasn't even old enough to vote. Yeah. But, because I, I turned 18 and 73. But I remember I was leaving the house one day, and my dad was standing in the living room, Wearing like a pair of shorts and sandals, cigarette hanging out of his mouth, his shirt open, drinking a beer. It's like he a Saturday. Like Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, he had that dead look in his eyes. That all of a sudden you get, me, you go, "This is it," you know. Yeah. And he goes, "Cause where the hell you going?" And yeah. I said, and I, had, I go, "I'm going out to hang these on doors for for uh, Senator McGovern so you can win." He goes, "Oh hell, Tone, that fucking guy ain't going to win." And I go, and then about a month ago or so, I yeah. was talking to some ASU students, you know, and they're telling me, and they go, and Bernie and Bernie, and I, I said, "They went, oh hell." That guy ain't going to win. Because <laughs> now he's not, he, he's clearly not going to get the nomination. I hope he runs independently. I'd well, if he anyways. runs independently, then you'll have, Listen, so let me ask Trump you this. Wins, whatever, who cares at this point? I'm just like, it's, it's like, uh, it's, they're both evil and the one guy that I want, I, w- I want to like, mm-hmm. I want to vote for him. Okay. But he, it's like, well, he's not going to run and he won't run as an independent because, and I'll tell you why he won't run as an independent. Because he's truly a principled guy. Yeah. There's not one thing he says. There's some things that maybe I disagree with. Yeah. But not where I go, oh, my God. Yeah. I go, I don't agree with that. But, you know, politics, the art of compromise. You're going to pick the person. You go, I don't agree with everything they say, but this is the best person to move forward. Yeah. This person with the greatest possibilities. So he's a principled guy. And he knows that if he runs independently, yeah. he will guarantee a Donald Trump presidency. Yeah. He knows that. So he will not. Cruz is worse than Trump. Yeah, well, Cruz is not going to get that nomination. Yeah. Donald J. Trump is going to get the Republican nomination, much to my delight as I watch the Republican Party eat (laughs) itself alive. They caused Donald Trump with all the vitriol that they have spewed for decades, in my estimation. Yeah. Okay. Although I totally disagree with what happened at the Trump rally last night. Anti Trump people caused a riot out front. Yeah. You know, and I, I disagree with that. It's, you know. However, Bernie Sanders is not going to be nominated, nor will he run. Yeah. Hillary Clinton is going to be nominated. And Bernie Sanders is going to support her. 
Because yeah. he's a principled guy and he's got his eye on the big picture. Therefore, will you support a Hillary Clinton then? Um, if Bernie, if Bernie's actually comes out and says I'm going to support her, um, then I think I would, or I just won't. I mean, I just I don't know. It's it's hard because you. Because the corruption is so blatantly in front of us with everything that's going on right now, mm-hmm. and you feel so helpless as to change it, and it felt like the only way that it would change is if that Bernie got the nomination, and I'm hoping that in some crazy, weird way that it actually does work out. But then it's like you're left with like, oh, I know that this, it's like when you're trapped in a relationship you can't get out of, you're like, I yeah. know this person is really bad, but I can't leave, and if I leave, like it could be way worse. Yeah. So entertain this notion for a moment. Okay. okay. All right. So obviously Hillary Clinton has taken a lot of money from large banks and Wall Street donors. Yeah. There's no denying that. Yeah. So therefore, she seems quite cozy with them. Yes. Okay. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt ran as a non-interventionist that we will never get in a war with Europe. Yeah. And only someone like Roosevelt could have then pulled off what we had to pull off in World War II. Lyndon Johnson was uh, came from segregated texas yeah and only someone who came from segregated texas could push through the civil rights law and richard nixon was an ardent red baiter anti-communist in the 40s and only he could repatriate us with china yeah so keeping that in mind only someone like hillary clinton who was close enough to them yeah could possibly pull off what someone once pulled off which is real uh financial reform so it's just food for thought that it only only the person who, uh, if if Nixon had not been this big red baiter anti-communist yeah. guy, then him going there and going, we're going to repatriate with China. They go, well, this is what we expect because he's a communist anyway. Yeah. So if Bernie were, were to be elected, and unfortunately he's not, we go, of course. Do you, well, my question is before, like when you, did you, were you pro Bernie at one point and then we're like, okay, he doesn't have a chance. I'm going to switch to Team Hillary. Um, no. I was, I'm a, at this point in my life, unfortunately, I'm a pragmatist. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to go. You have no hope left. <laughs> I have hope. I have hope. Okay. But I'm much more pragmatic about it. Yeah. I, I, and at this point in life, I have no interest in a revolution. Okay. Oh, I so don't. I'm all you, ready. You know, yeah. I got my musket. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I only do historical revolutions. So. <laughs> So right. I liked everything he said. I was yeah. very interested in him, but uh, uh, I'm interested in some. I'm interested in a boring eight years, and Hillary will be a boring president because yeah. because she will be a real administrator. She know you you need someone who knows everyone and knows how everything works. And yeah. at this point in her life, she knows everyone in the world. She knows everything works, and she'll have the most effective administration. Some bad things will happen. There will be some scandals. Yeah, they, some, they happen yeah, all the time. Because that's life. But I think as far as being an effective leader of the country yeah. right now, we need someone who knows what the hell they're doing. And it, it, truth be known, in 2008, I voted for her in a primary. And then when Obama uh, overtook her, then I was an Arden Obama supporter. Yeah. So uh, I voted for him twice in the same election. So that's a different <laughs> story. No, I didn't do it. Hey, you know what's sad? What? It's not sad that Bernie's not going to be president. What's sad is we're like in overtime now. Oh, wow. Okay. I have so, so much I want to talk about. Well, you're going to have to come back. <sighs> you know, we would love to have you Guys, back. Guys, don't ha- keep the faith. Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> feel the burn. Feel it. Yeah, feel if you were the nominee, I would vote for him 100%. But he's. he's I mean, listen, either way, I'm going to, I'll probably vote for Hillary, but I'm going to be pissed off. Like, whatever happens is that she's got to realize that there's a huge shift in the party. She does. And then she's got to start catering to us and not. 
Absolutely. Uh, horrible. Millennials are now the largest living generation in the United States. Yeah. You know, and that, and all you baby boomers watch out. Yeah. And 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 <laughs> youth must be you. served. Listen, we're more than happy to hand it off. You can have it now. You know, you can have it now. Just send me a check every month, and I won't give a shit. I'll okay. stay out of your way. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to get out of your way now. Uh, you've been listening to Jenny Zagrino on uh, This American Podcast, Comedy Edition, ComedySchoolsRadio.com. She is at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy. He also comes from the socialist country of Canada. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Free health care. It's so great. <laughs> Saved our lives. Seriously. Uh, I did Romney care when I lived in Massachusetts. Yeah. I was on Romney care, who yeah. was... Mitt Romney did that. That was pretty. That yeah. was that saved my life so many times. Yeah. Uh, well, Obamacare saved a lot of people that we know. Still saving me. It's still good. I think yeah. I still have insurance. <laughs> I have to check. <laughs> you got weigh-ins insurance. You got uh, movie right. insurance. You just show up now and go. I was in a movie. Fix me. <laughs> my foot's broken. <laughs> my, have you seen Bad Santa? Yeah. I'm in my the second foot's one. broken. Yeah. I know Billy Bob. Fix her foot. She knows Billy Bob. <laughs> All right, we got to run. Uh, she is at the uh, House of Comedy tonight. Uh, we will be, uh, we're going to run down, uh, we're going to try to run down and see her later on. We are at the Tempe Center of the Arts tonight for one show with Greg Freiler. Uh, and we will be podcasting live. We'll also be podcasting live later on, another show next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We know we had a lot of people in there. A lot of you wanted to chat with us. We weren't able to get to your chats uh, because um, I was enjoying speaking with her so much. We will talk to you very soon. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 a.m. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.